Welcome back to church on our post-resurrection uh, day. We're so glad that you've come to join with us here at First United Methodist Church in Marion. Um, we enjoy and encourage everyone here to, to write their name in on those yellow slips that are in the middle of the, of the bulletin and drop them in the offering plate when they come by. If you have a prayer concern or if you have some question you have about the church, just write it on there uh, and join us. And of course, keep those trustees uh, clipboards going. Hey, every uh, third Sunday of the month, we have what's called a newcomer's orientation at 11 a.m. So that'll be next uh, Sunday down the hall in our church library hospitality uh, room. So we certainly invite you to, to, to bring a friend maybe to that. Or if you're uh, looking for a place of, to call your own, we invite you to come to that. Gracious and loving God, on this beautiful spring morning, we praise you for the wonders of your creation. As we come to you in prayer, we are mindful of the many ways in which you reach out to us and draw us closer to you. Your love is boundless, and we pray that we will love you fully and worship your holiness in all that we do. Lord, we are so grateful for being able to come to you directly when we have joys and concerns that we want to share. And we know that you will hear and answer every single one. It's such a great day when we are able to baptize one of your dear children into the fellowship of this church, and we so look forward to raising and nurturing little Jackson in our church family. And this morning we also pray for others in our congregation who are in need of your healing. And we lift up our prayers of love and encouragement for Jody Smith, Kay Hedinger, and Tom Pollard, who all were hospitalized this past week, and pray that they are feeling the strength of your love surrounding them. We also pray for little Olivia Casey, who's had some struggles in her first days following her birth. We are thankful that things are improving and that she's getting stronger. And we just pray for your continued love and strength to support her family as well. We also pray for Bud Lurch, who's been receiving treatments and testing through Ohio State and He's kind of turned a corner, and we just pray that as he turns that corner that you will be with him and guiding his doctors and everyone who is in charge of his health there in the, in the next step of his treatments and care. Lord, we pray for each and every one of these that we have named and, and know that in the midst of their physical struggles that your loving strength has been there with them and that we pray that we, they, will, they will each feel that as well in the midst and know that they are not alone. And, Lord, we know that there are always those who are grieving, those who are uh, just remembering one that they have lost and, and they have loved so much. And we pray today especially for Gary Bolden and his family following the death of his father and for Diana Nolan and her family following the death of her mother. And we just pray that with your strength and comfort that their grieving will seem not quite so heavy. And that with our prayers and, and concern and love that we can see them through this time of grieving together. Lord, there are so many in this community <clears throat> who are in need. And not just for the immediate needs of food and shelter, but who need you. Give us a spirit of boldness to be your disciples and to reach out to others in your name. Transform us and give us obedient hearts to serve your people helping them to know of your great love for us all. Lord, we ask that you hear these prayers this morning, the ones that we have said aloud and the ones that we speak silently in our hearts. 
We give them all to you in the mighty name of our risen Savior, Jesus, who has taught us to pray these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The everlasting word of God comes to us today from John chapter 4 as we continue our walk through the gospel. We have uh, two weeks, the last two weeks, we spoke specifically about the woman that Jesus met from Samaria at the well near Sychar. Today the story goes on from there, so when I begin the words, the scripture reading, you'll know what it's talking about just then, what it's following. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent to you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labors. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. After the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And when he arrived in, his own, and when he arrived in the Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. This is the reading uh, for this day. Uh, Let us pray God's strength come upon our pastor as he leads us this morning. Oh God, on this post-resurrection day, we pray for Pastor Keith. And when he woke up this morning, his belly was full of you and he was ready to share it with us. So we ask, Lord, that you open his mouth and allow him to speak forth your words that they might edify uh, us and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with all of you here today. I uh, uh, hope you had a great Easter and a, and a, a fantastic week following. And, and uh, I'm excited to, to get to preach this sermon today because I love this story. 
of this encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well. We've spent two weeks now talking about the same text, and I really think that we could probably even spend more time because there's so many things that take place that really we could, we could just live here for a while. I mean, we could talk about how, how amazing it is that Jesus, um, you know, goes to talk to a woman who culturally and religiously in society would, would, would say that he shouldn't be talking to her. I mean, she's Samaritan, which the Samaritans didn't, didn't associate together. She's a woman. And, and, you know, she's also a person that has a, a, a checkered past and a checkered present even. We could talk about how Jesus offers this woman this living water, how she's come to, to this well as she does every day to get water to drink, to provide for herself, and, and, and how Jesus offers her something greater than that. He says, look, I would give you living water. We could talk about what that means. We could talk about how Jesus begins to explain to her what it means to truly worship God the way God wants to be worshipped. We could talk about how, how Jesus explains that God's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, and how we as human beings can get wrapped up in, in our, our uh, dividing lines of whether it's supposed to be this way or that way, and we could talk about how she was confused. Well, the Jews say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, and us Samaritans worship on this mountain, but Jesus, of course, would have none of, of that. He just said, look, God is looking for people not constrained by human institution, but worship in spirit and truth. We could talk about all those things, but we're not going to, okay? We're going to talk about what happens next and and this amazing encounter with this woman and what she does with this experience. And there's one thing that, that as Pastor Mike read that text earlier in the morning that I picked up on. I've read that verse, these verses probably a hundred times in my life, but you know what? Something that he read when he read at the 745 service that hit me, that hadn't hit me this entire week looking at this sermon and and before that. Did you catch what the woman does when she goes back to Samaria? She leaves her jar there. Now, she came for that purpose, didn't she? She came to get water to put in a jar. And Jesus says, the more important thing is this living water. And when she leaves, she's so uh, just transformed by this encounter with Jesus that she forgets all about why she came in the first place. And she runs back and leaves the water there. I find that fascinating because I think that's a parallel really to a lot of our experiences, isn't it? You know, many people come to to churches or different ministry things for one specific reason in mind, but oftentimes leave with something completely different. And that's part of the fun of worshiping Jesus, isn't it? So this woman, she, she has this experience with Jesus. She runs back to Samaria, and, and it says that, that people began to, to hear about Jesus. And, and, and many believed about Jesus because of this woman's testimony. So she shares her faith, and that's ultimately what, what this sermon is going to be about, really, is, is what it means to share your faith and, and evangelism. Now, I know when you hear the word evangelism, you know, you might think of an evangelist as a guy on television with a fancy suit and slick back hair, you know. Maybe you heard about the evangelist who's trying to raise $60 million so he can buy his own jet, you know. Maybe you think of an evangelist as a guy out on the street corner who's, you know, with a bullhorn telling people to turn or burn, whatever it might be. Oftentimes our, our cultural understanding of an evangelist tends to affiliate it with a certain type of activity or person, which can sometimes, even to Christians, be a little bit too much, right? 
But the truth is, evangelism simply means telling other people about Jesus. Telling other people the gospel. And all of us, all of us have a part to play in that. Did you know that? All of us do. You know, Jesus told his disciples when they, when they came back to him, you know, well, what's going on here? They, they didn't get it, you know. And, and Jesus said, you know, you guys have a saying. And your saying is this. Ah, there's only four months until, there's still four months till harvest, right? What do, you, what do you think that saying means, right? I guess it depends on how you're saying it, right? Oftentimes we equate Jesus with like this, you know, Victorian sort of fancy formal speech. But I think Jesus was a regular guy when he talked. And I think he was kind of putting it to these guys and saying, look, I know you guys have this saying, and your saying goes like this. Ah, there's still four months till harvest, which is basically saying, you know, we don't need to do anything today, right? We got four months to think about it. Now, why would Jesus tell these guys that? He would tell them that because he wanted to, to show them that, you know, this woman didn't wait around until she was ready or until she was educated or until she was good enough to go tell other people about Jesus. She simply took off and shared her faith. So how does she share her faith? How does the Samaritan woman share her faith? Well, quite simply, she, she tells the story of her encounter with Jesus. Now, I am sure that in Samaria, there were religious leaders and educated men who knew the Old Testament and knew their theology and knew their arguments and had all of that, you know, education behind them. And I'm sure there were people that were expert at debates and arguments and all of those things that people would say when it came to religion. I mean, the world is not short on people who can argue about religion. It, it hasn't ever been and it probably never will be. But notice this woman doesn't go back and get into a debate about philosophy or about religion or about the, the scriptures or any of that stuff. She simply goes and shares her encounter with Jesus. She said, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did, right? Now, if you remember from our story, this woman, that, that, that's a lot, Right? That's a, that's a story. And she simply went and, and shared this encounter. You know, there's power in your story. Did you know that? There's power in your story. And I want to encourage you with the idea that you are the most qualified person to tell your story. There's no one more qualified to tell your story than you because you are an expert at your encounter with Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But simply, this woman went back to share her faith and just told Jesus. The same way that we do with so many other things. You know, when you go to a restaurant that you like to eat at or you had a great experience, you go and tell someone. And, and many times that story is just simply, well, you know, I, I, I went there, I had a great experience, and you should go too. That's really all it was. She shared her story. She shared her story. So, what does Jesus mean when he says the fields are ripe for harvesting, right? He's putting it to these disciples. He's saying, you guys don't get it. The fields are ripe. And basically, here's what he means. Open your eyes because there are people all around you who need Jesus. I think he would say the same thing to us here today. He'd say, open your eyes, look around you at, at the people that you live with, at the world you live in. There are people all around you who need Jesus and are ready for Jesus. God's Spirit 
is working on them to draw them to the Father. A little bit later in John, we'll see where Jesus says, no one can come to, the, to, to, to me unless the Father draws him, right? That's happening all around us, and we don't often see it. Oftentimes, we miss it because we're too focused on, what am I going to eat today? Just like these disciples, just like that woman. Where's my water? Where's my food? What about the needs of my life? What about this? What about that? And Jesus is saying, wake up, open your eyes, look around you, because God's Spirit has been at work in people's lives. I want you to begin to think about some of the people that you have in your life right now. Some of the people that you encounter every day, and you might look at them and never understand what God has already been up to His spirit is at work, and there's nothing more rewarding than when God uses you to be part of that process. Jesus says that there's some who sow, and there's some who reap. And he told the disciples, he's like, look, people have been sowing these seeds, and now you're reaping the harvest. You're reaping the benefit. You didn't do the hard work of sowing the seed, but you're reaping the harvest. So there's some times in our lives when we sow, and there are some times in our lives when we reap. And what we have to remember is that it's not about us personally. It's about playing a part in God's plan. And I want to encourage you to think about that today. What's your part? And how, do you, how will you know what it is? You know, Pastor Mike and I get to have a lot of conversations with people at various stages, and sometimes our, our activity consists, just as yours does, in sowing seeds, right? Sometimes we do a lot of seed sowing, and sometimes we don't always see the harvest. And other times we, we see the harvest and haven't done any work. I've had multiple experiences like that. I had an experience uh, recently where a, a man came to, to talk to me who'd been in church his whole life, and, and basically had come in and, and, and had some stuff going on in his life. And, and you know, we, we sat and, and talked about it. And I could sense that there had been many seeds that were sown. But the, the soil of his heart was filled with, with rocks and filled with weeds. And now the time was happening in his life where he was ready to see some of that stuff removed. So I, I would say my part in that consisted, the first part of our meeting, of getting rid of some of those weeds. We kind of did a little bit of, of surgery on his heart and took some of those things out. And I, I felt very encouraged by that. And at the end of our two hours together, he knelt down and we prayed and we prayed and he received Christ right there. And I was so excited about that. So, of course, the next thing I did is I, I said, man, we'd love to have you come to our church. We'd love to have you come. It'd be awesome. We'll, we'll help you grow. We'll get you in a Bible study. We'll introduce you to some people. And, and, and this guy who, who hated going to church his whole life now is a faithful church attender every single week at a different church. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Mike. You know. I mean, his family tells me, oh, he can't wait to go. This is a guy who hated going to church, right? And now he can't wait. Every Sunday. He's excited to go. During the week, he says, I can't wait for Sunday. And, and, and the family can't believe it. They, they'll tell me, oh, we can't believe it. This is an amazing transformation. And he doesn't come to this church. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person with, 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 you know, a little competitive spirit in me sometimes. And maybe, maybe you know, a little insecurity in there mixed around. When a person that I've spent that much time with and, and you know, led him to the Lord doesn't come to church here, I start to go, what did I do wrong? Right? Is there something wrong with me? What's wrong with our church? You know? 
But I have to not do that because what I have to rejoice in is the fact that this guy became a believer in Jesus. And he's in church every Sunday. It's not about whether he comes here, right? Because, see, another church is reaping that harvest, right? We've got to remember, we're on the same team. We all have a part to play. And I praise God for the part that I played. But here's what I know. The, 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 the part that I played, you know, was the easy part compared to the part that others have been sowing into this man's life for years. For years. We just have to open our eyes and look around. Because God has been at work in the hearts of people in your life for much more time than you are aware. In ways that you aren't aware of. And God doesn't need to make you aware of those things. He doesn't need to explain or, or, or make you get every piece of it. He simply needs you to play your part. He needs you to go out and, and, and do what he says that you should do. And share the gospel. And, and watch what happens. So that's the question. Will you play your part? Others have sown. Will you reap? So, question number three. Have you ever shared your faith with someone? And how did it go? Right? How did it go? Think about that for a moment. Have you ever shared your faith with someone? How did it go? You know, if you're a person that, that does that a lot, you've probably got lots of different answers, don't you? You know, sometimes it goes well. Sometimes not so well. You know, here's the thing, though. We tend to evaluate how that goes based on their response in the moment, don't we? If you share your faith with someone and, and they reject it or they ridicule you in that moment, we can kind of sit back sometimes and beat ourselves up and say, oh, I failed. I didn't do a good enough job. I didn't say the right thing. I, I, I made a mistake or I'm not smart enough or what. We can beat ourselves up. But what we don't know is what happens later. I, I had an opportunity to sit with a a 20-year-old guy named Dean once, and, and Dean's life was very troubled. He was a, a drug addict, alcoholic, a, a physically abusive person, and he was in a relationship with, with a, a daughter of, of someone I went to church with, and, and they had been telling me, you know, you need to talk to Dean, you need to talk to Dean. And I'm like, why do I need to talk to Dean, you know? So I remember sitting down with Dean, and Dean was just like, whatever, man, whatever. I don't, you know, my life is horrible. I've, my dad did this to me, whatever. I don't have a mom. I mean, just this, 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 and drugs, and, and I hate this and hate that, you know. And, and he was almost kind of like, what is God going to do for me, you know? And I remember feeling like, oh, my gosh. And it was week after week after week. We'd pray for Dean. We'd talk to him, you know. Well, there was one experience where they moved away, and I happened to be in town for one other thing, and, and I just decided to look him up, and I found his number, and I... I met with him in, at a restaurant at about 11 o'clock at night and sat down with him. And I decided I was just, you know, my role at that point in time was, was to just give it to him straight. <clears throat> and I remember just saying to him, Dean, when are you going to let all this go and turn your life over to Jesus? None of your situations are ever going to change until you get your heart right with God. And you know what? He actually listened this time. And we went back to his house and I had to go, you know, and I, and I remember just not knowing what to do. It was an empty house, just the two of us. And I opened the Bible. We read a little bit of scripture. I prayed for him, and he knelt down and prayed to receive Christ. And, and I left him there all by himself. And I thought, well, let's see what happens. 
You know, and this, of course, wasn't the first time Dean had had the gospel shared with him. It happened over and over and over again. His, 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 and, you know, if you met this kid today, you wouldn't even believe it. He leads his family. He's married now. He leads his family in their, in their faith, and he's, he's on fire for Christ. He's growing spiritually, and the people around him can't even believe the transformation. You know what? If I would have given up on Dean after the first time I sat down and met this kid, you know, God would have probably used someone else to, to, to reap that harvest, and I wouldn't have received that blessing. My point is this, that, that sometimes when you share your faith with someone, it might not go well in that moment, but, but you're part of a team. You're part of a purpose. And the answer is never to say, well, I'm a failure, so I'll quit. The answer is to keep being obedient to the Spirit of God. So, question number four, what keeps you from sharing your faith more? You know, what keeps you from doing that? That's a question I think everybody can answer because some of us can say, well, I haven't really ever shared my faith, you know, so that doesn't apply to me. I can think about something else right now. You can't think about something else with this question. What keeps you from doing it more? Is it fear? Maybe, maybe you're scared of, of what they'll think of you. Maybe you're scared that you won't say the right thing. Maybe you're intimidated by that, right? It's kind of intimidating to sit down and talk to someone about those things because you might not feel like you're adequate. Maybe you don't have enough confidence. Maybe you think that, that you know, you don't have the right words to say or, or your life isn't perfect or, or you have failed before. Guess what? That's the boat we all live in, right? There's none of us who can stand before someone to tell anybody about Jesus who haven't made mistakes, sinned, or have some you know, type of inadequacy in our lives in some way. And the biggest lie we can believe is that we have to have everything figured out before we can tell people our Jesus story. You see, Christians need the gospel too. And every day we renew our faith. Every day we get on our knees and renew our commitment to Christ. We ask God to forgive us. We live out our story every single day. And there's so much power in that story. But we can't let our fears stop us, can we? Can, can you imagine the fear that must have took place in this Samaritan woman? I mean, who is she? Who is she? You know, this, this culture is different than our culture. Women weren't allowed to talk to men about things like this. Especially women like her. Women like her didn't have the respect of anybody. And yet she didn't let that stop her. She wasn't intimidated. She didn't care about her own inadequacies. As a matter of fact, she used her own inadequacies to help elevate Christ all the more. We can't let fear stop us. We can't let lack of confidence stop us. You know, there's a text that we read a couple weeks back from John chapter 3, verse 34, that, that I think is important. And, and it's when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says that the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. That's a powerful verse. The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Now, read that backwards, and here's what you can recognize. That if God has sent you, then the words that you speak will be the words that he wants you to speak, right? If God is the one sending you, then whatever is supposed to be said will be said. So really, you can do no wrong, except if you let your fear overtake you, except if you let your intimidation put you on the sideline, except if you let your lack of confidence be the message, not your confidence in Christ. You see, God has ordained 
that people will hear the gospel and respond to it. He's predestined it to happen. Jesus said, open your eyes. Look around you. The fields are ripe. It's as if Jesus is saying, this is easy work. He said, the hard work's been done. Now it's the easy work of reaping that harvest. And quit saying, I will get to it later. There's four months until harvest. Oh, we'll, we'll think about that once we build our new building or, or once I get myself figured out or once we have this or once we have that or, or once I'm not so busy. No, Jesus says right now, look around you. This is the time. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Play your part now. The fields are ripe. Think of what you miss when you don't. Now, I don't know why all the disciples had to go to town to buy food and they left Jesus there by himself. I mean, they must have had a lot of food to buy. But you see, I think what happened was this. Ah, you know, let's go do this, let's go do that. He'll be fine. But look at what they missed, right? Where would you have rather been, by the way, in this story? Would you have rather been at, you know, the grocery store with Peter, James, and John, all these guys trying to figure out what food to buy and, and, and all that? Or would you have rather been in the center of this conversation watching Jesus do ministry to this woman in Samaria? I don't know about you. I'd rather be with Jesus. <clears throat> but again, these disciples were, were far more worried about, you know, their own life and their own worldly and food and this and that. And of course, Jesus is like, look, I got food that you know nothing about. And we'll see how he expounds upon that in just a, a, a few months when we get into chapter 6, right? Um, but we'll be there before a few months. Hang tight. <clears throat> that just went right over some of your heads. Um, but, you know, Jesus says, look, my, my food is to do the will of God. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. That was so important to him. That was so important to him. That's more important than the activity that prevented the disciples from doing that stuff. What is it in our lives, in your life, in my life, that we think is so important, right? That it takes precedence over our kingdom work. It's probably not hard for us to spot if we really are honest with ourselves. It's probably not hard for me to spot if I look into my own life. It's probably not hard for you to spot either, you know? And I don't, I don't see Jesus reprimanding these guys, but I do see him saying, look, wake up. Open your eyes. Look around you. So to close, I, I, I want to give you just a, a little strategy to think about this, to help you in your evangelism. I've talked about this before. I didn't invent this, by the way, but it's simply called three-story evangelism. And I think this is a good example uh, for how this woman operated for us to simply share our faith with others. And, and three-story evangelism is, is, is very simple. The first, the first story is hear their story. Now, notice Jesus doesn't just roll up on this woman and just do all the talking. He gets into her life story, right? He, he reveals what he knows about her story. And oftentimes in life, you realize that in relationships, if, if you do all the talking and not ever do any of the listening, that doesn't really communicate a lot of love and respect for another human being. You know, there are some people in your life that when, when you see them coming, you kind of turn the other way. Isn't it true? Because all they want to do is this, and they never do this, you know? And there's, there, there are instances like that. And, and you know how I, how I feel when that happens to me? When I encounter people that all they do is talk and talk and talk and talk and, and never listen or ask questions? I, I interpret that as they don't really care about me. Now, that might be reading a little bit too much into it. 
but that's just how I feel about that. So when you share your faith with someone, it's important that they know that you care about them. And one of the best ways to show someone that you care about them is to listen to them, is to hear their story, to take an interest in what they have going on, to to understand where they're coming from, to hear their heart, to hear their struggles. And that's the first story in three-story evangelism. Don't just sit down with someone and smack them over the face with the Bible and walk away. Find out what's happening in their life. Find out what they're struggling with. Find out what their issues are. You know, that first, that first meeting I told you about, you know, the first hour of that meeting, I didn't say a word. I just said, tell me what's going on. And then boom, it came out, pouring out of this man. And my job at that point in time was to just sit and listen. Just sit and listen. Sometimes that can be hard for me because I like to talk, you know. But to just listen. But what I've learned is that oftentimes the listening is what is what gains me access into their ears. You know, that's what gains me access. So hear their story. Hear their story. And then secondly, of course, is to tell your story. To tell your story. And remember this. You are an expert in your story about how you've encountered Jesus. There's no one that can argue you against that. There's no one who can tell you that's not real. There's no one who can, who can throw a, a philosophy at you or, or whatever at you. You're an expert in your own story. Now, I couldn't finish this sermon without asking you the question, do you have a Jesus encounter story? That's a real question that we need to ask ourselves. And I, I say that to a church full of Methodists. Because here's what I know, and it isn't anything about Methodists. It's a human thing. I know there's a lot of people right now on Sunday mornings all across this city sitting in churches that haven't had a Jesus encounter story. They might have a church story. They might have a, well, yeah, you know, I grew up going to church. I was baptized. I was confirmed. I served on this committee. I had that going. I gave this. I did that. I was a Sunday school teacher. You can have all of that and not have a Jesus story. Did you know that? See, this isn't an evangelism for trying to make people Methodists or try to get them in this building. This is about Jesus. So you want to know if you have a Jesus story? Practice telling it to someone else. So this is your homework assignment for the week, right? I want you to find one other human being this week, someone that is close to you, that you trust, that you love, that you know can, can give you good feedback, and just simply tell them your Jesus story. And then ask him at the end, okay, was that really about Jesus? I remember sitting downstairs in this church a couple years ago, and we were getting ready to go through the Healthy Church Initiative, and, and we were kind of having this open sharing time. And Tell us your faith story. What happened? You want to know? I heard story after story after story about people's involvement in church. And I thought to myself, I hope there's more to it than that. Because you can have all the church stuff, And ultimately, it gets you nothing when it comes to Christ. It ain't about church. It's about Jesus. You know, that might be included in your stories. You know, I grew up going to church, but I met Jesus at Summer Games Camp. But when I sit down with someone to tell them about Jesus, I don't tell them, yeah, it was awesome, I love Jesus, you got to go to Summer Games. Now, if they're a teenager, I will. But I'm concerned about, do they know Christ? You're an expert in your Jesus story. 
So secondly, tell your Jesus story. And then lastly, of course, is tell his story. Tell the gospel story. Talk to him about Jesus. You know, when, when, when Jesus finished with this woman, the Samaritans invited him back there. He spent two days with them, right? And they said to her, we no longer just believe because of what you've said. Now we've seen it with our own eyes. So they heard his story from her and then they received that story from their, from their own. They made it their own. That's what happens. So simply tell his story, preach the gospel, and then drop the mic. Let God do his work at that point in time. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to to try to convince. You just simply have to tell the story and trust that that seed has been sown and God's been nurturing that. And now your job is to reap that. It says that many believed, but it doesn't say all believed. You know that? I'm sure there were some, even in this instance, who rejected, who judged, who turned away. But here's the thing. None of us know who the many are in our lives who will believe until we start sowing, until we start doing that work of harvest. And here's what we know to be true. Jesus says that the field is ready, that it's full, that they're there. People will be saved. They will respond to the gospel. Because God's work is being done. Now, after this is over, Jesus gets ready to head out to go to Galilee where it says that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And he knew that his ministry was changing and he knew that it was building in momentum. But, you know, there were some places where Jesus went where they received him and somewhere they didn't, but he still went. Did you notice that? He still goes. You might have places in your life where you think no one's going to receive me, but still go. Cast a wide net for the gospel in your life and you will be fishers of men. You will catch some because it's not about you and your clever words. It's about Jesus and his work being done. So play your part. Play your part. Practice your stories this week. And if you're here this morning and you, you're just convicting, you say, man, I, I don't have a Jesus story. You know what? You absolutely can. And today might be the beginning of that. You absolutely can have that story, and your story can begin today. Maybe all of your time spent in church has been seeds thrown at you, and now the harvest is happening, and you want to stand up and say, yes, today is the day that I want to meet Jesus. You can do that today. He's ready to receive you. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't tell you you're not good enough. He takes you just the way you are, and he transforms you from the inside out so you can tell others. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, your story is amazing. And God, inside of our hearts, Lord, we know that there's much work going on around us. Lord, help us to have open eyes to see the fields ripe for the harvest of the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Now, in just a second, we're going to show you an offering video. And then after that, you're going to see another video from uh, uh, another opportunity that we had to do ministry into Haiti. That's planned today, right? All right, so you're going to see the the tremendous opportunity that was taken by our team as they opened their eyes and went down. So I hope it's a blessing to you. So go ahead and have a look at at this video right now. Really the thing that makes Marian Methodist most special to me is the people. It's all about the people. Um, Kirk and I moved here 16 years ago and um, didn't know anybody, didn't have any family or friends in the area. And so um, we visited this church and it really wasn't the building or 
even the Sunday school classes, or even the way Pastor Stan played the piano that made us want to join here, but it was the people. Kirk and I give our gifts to Marion Methodist because um, it's so important to us, and we want to ensure that others have the opportunity to experience the same feeling of family that we've always felt here. My name is Carol McNeil, and these are the reasons I give to Marion Methodist. Will you please join me in worshiping God in this way?